Let's go. Listen, let's go. Chance, but you blew it, blew it, blew it. Man, I'm great. Move on, baby. Who this? Who this? Who this? Girl, you're messing with the wrong one. Now I'm flexing cause I'm on one. I'm on one. Flex, flex, flex. Flexing on. Flex, flex, flex. Flexing on you. University. Uh, today is um, March 13th. Um, we're going to be doing a conference tournament college basketball uh, podcast, really strictly talking about all the different um, tournaments that are going on. Um, I know some have finished, but we'll, we'll sort of touch on the big ones that are just starting or about to start. Um, so which, which t- uh, conference do you want to start with? Uh, let's go over what happened, like, the winners so far, just okay. quickly. So, we've had, uh, most recently we had Northern Kentucky, uh, Northeastern, Fairleigh Dickinson, which is so, so fun to say, St. Mary's, North Dakota State, all won yesterday, and Wofford. Uh, just kidding, Wofford won two days ago, but, um, on top of that, we had Murray State. Thank God John Morant is going to be in the tournament. Everyone can breathe a big sigh of relief there. Uh, and then Bradley, Iona, and Gardner-Webb, and Liberty also punched their tickets. So a lot of 14-15 type seeds for the most part. Uh, throwing Wofford, probably going to be around 7-8 line because uh, they've been pretty impressive so far. St. Mary's probably around a 12 seed. Murray State probably about the same. But the rest of the teams, uh, I don't want to say you can just glance over them, but you can glance you're not going to have to take a big-time look at most of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, Liberty, maybe. They play, like, Virginia. Maybe they could be, like, a Loyola Chicago-type team. Not get to the Final Four like that. I just mean, like, keep games close and competitive. But, um, yeah, there's some of the – as you'll see every single year, it happens literally every single year. The one seeds in their conference tournament almost never win the actual conference tournament as a mid-major. And they, I think, I don't have it updated from yesterday, but before yesterday's games, uh, teams that were the one seed in their conference were 2-11 and in winning their conference tournament. So uh, it's a death sentence to be a one seed in the mid-major. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that always works out. And so Iona and who was the other one seed? Yep. That one, yeah, Wofford, I think. Oh, Wofford, yeah, they did. They didn't lose a game in their conference all year, um, but it's funny how Iowa, I, Iona is about equivalent to every other team that was in their conference, and they ended up winning it. So, yeah, exactly. Um, um and and unfortunately, we also lost Mike Dame from uh, or Dome from Ohio State or Ohio State. Wow. South Dakota Dakota State. State. I just saw Ohio State go by on the bottom of the TV screen. Um, we lost Chris Clemens from Campbell, and we lost... Um, what's his name from Hofstra? Justin Ray uh, Foreman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that stinks, but we still got John Morant. We possibly lost that kid from Belmont. Yeah, Dylan Watt, Windler. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've lost some big names, which always happens, but... Uh, we got draw, so just be happy about that. Yeah, but uh, I still want Dylan Windler in the in the tournament. Yeah, and if 
uh, our bracketology still has Belmont in pretty much mostly because every uh, power conference team that's on the bubble does not even deserve to be in the conversation and is somehow still in the conversation. So, uh, yeah, we're going to – I personally, in those situations, I favor the mid-majors because if those major conference or power conference schools have shown inability to compete with the top of their conference – what's the reason to put them in the tournament anyways? Like teams like Clemson and NC State have just dominated the bottom half of the ACC and just gotten smoked by the top half. So I'd 10 times over rather see Belmont compete than NC State or Clemson. I completely agree with that. Give them a chance. Uh, Uh, So we can kick it off with the tournaments. We kind of got rid of the 15-16 type seed tournaments, so teams like Sam Houston State that will probably easily win their tournament, but it's going to be in the probably in playing in Dayton for a chance to play overall number one seed. So uh, unless we have UMBC on our hands, which I don't see really, especially this year, but um, the first conference we're going to kick it off with is the Atlantic 10. Uh, so VCU is the regular season champ in that conference. You also have teams like Davidson Dayton that have made some noise um, and, it's not as good as past years where you had, like, Rhode Island was really good. Uh, George Mason's been okay. Not so much recent history. But uh, that conference is always always very competitive. No matter how good or bad a team is, the games always play out pretty close, especially in the tournament. Another conference that I, I can't remember the last time the one seed actually won their conference. Um, but I really like VCU this year. I'm going to go away from VCU, though, and go with Davidson who has player of the year in the conference, and John Axel Goodmanson, another fun name to say. Uh, and just, I think they have more firepower offensively. Uh, VCU, I think, probably has the best shot because they have the easiest road. But um, another team I've heard trendy pick was Dayton, but they have to play St. Louis in the second round, and they struggle to score sometimes. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but if you like to watch mid-major basketball and competitive games, the Atlantic 10 is definitely the conference for you. Yeah, the Atlantic 10, it's an interesting conference. I've just looking through their rankings, um, each one of these teams, I feel like, rotates through the tournament. Um, <laughs> if you look through the past years, I mean, seeds 1 through basically 14 have all been in the tournament relatively recently. I mean, maybe outside of LaSalle. Um, but the, it is a very competitive conference, and, and I think because of that... Um, it will be someone outside of VCU. And for me, it was whoever wins Davidson versus Dayton, that matchup, I think will ultimately go on and beat VCU. And since you picked Davidson, I'm going to pick Dayton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the conference as a whole, I think VCU's, I'm I'm never going to use the word lock with mid-majors because I don't know how the committee, especially this year with the new net system and everything, we, we could be very surprised with some selections, but in my opinion, VCU's in the tournament. Uh, I think Davidson's also in the tournament, but I think they need to probably beat Davidson or Dayton to be in the tournament. Um, so just make it to the to the championship game of their conference. Uh, Dayton, on the other hand, I think needs to win the conference to make it. So um, that Davidson Dayton game should be really entertaining to watch. Yeah, I mean, because Dayton really has their backs against the wall. Um, they've had a lot of change this season. Um, coaching and all that, um, losing quite a few players. Um, 
but I think they've sort of gelled together now and can figure it out um, to win it all, to get themselves in the tournament. And like you said, I think VCU and Davidson make it in. Yeah. Uh, so, anything else you want to talk about the A-10? Are you good? Um, no, I think I'm good with them. All right. We'll get more into these teams once the actual brackets come out because uh, no point in wasting your time listening to teams that won't be in the tournament. So, um, the next one we're going to go with is American Athletic Conference. We're just going to go in alphabetical order for the most part here. Uh, this is Houston, Temple, Cincinnati, UCF, and Memphis for the most part. Don't really need to worry about the other teams. Um, this is an interesting tournament, in my opinion, because the game is played at Memphis's home court, um, which I, we were just talking about a little bit, but I think is wildly unfair to play. It's like Siena plays the MAC tournament at, at Siena all the time. Um, it's crazy to have – you're a five-seed in your own conference and you have the whole entire tournament in your home court. But uh, So Houston obviously just knocked off Cincinnati again. Uh, UCF beat Houston since the last time we, we've done a podcast. Um, then Temple and UCF played. Uh, this, this conference has just mauled itself basically besides for Houston surviving Cincinnati again. Um, very evenly matched top four seeds, I would say. Houston – I think is the clear-cut best team in the, in the conference, but um, they are certainly capable of slipping up against a team like UCF, Cincinnati, Temple. Uh, but with that being said, they're going to get UCF in the semis or in the yeah semifinals, um, and I think that's a redemption game for them because that was their first home conference loss in the American Athletic Conference ever. Uh, so I think they'll knock them off, and then. Uh, probably have a rematch with Cincinnati part three, and I just think they're significantly better than Cincinnati, so I'm going with Houston. So Houston will win it all for you? Yep. Um, so I'm actually going to pick an upset for this one. Um, like you said, Houston, UCF, the second, um, sort of their second games. I think Houston really bounces back and wins by double digits against UCF, um, but runs into... Um, a, sort of a letdown game in the championship with Temple, and I think Temple really needs to win um, to get in. I know they're on the bubble right now, and they're right now last four out, um, or first four out. But I think with the, a conference win, obviously they get the automatic bid, but um, show that they're deserving to be in the tournament. And I can see them um, getting past Cincinnati and beating Houston in the championship. Yeah. Um, I I think those top four seeds should be in the tournament pretty much regardless. I think Temple's done enough this year. Uh, but definitely, like, even if they just beat Cincinnati, I think that would be really solidify their hopes. Um, but we can't, we really can't glance over the fact that Memphis is probably going to play UCF in the quarterfinals. Memphis already beat UCF once this year, uh, and obviously would play them again. Memphis needs to win the tournament to go to, to March Madness. Um, and uh, I can't think of his first name off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremiah, but that Martin kid on their team that scored like 40 and one half, uh, and he just made all American conference players. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he's on the all American team, not the real, like the na- nation one, but their conference is called the American. That one. Uh, there you go. You got they really need to change that. That's terrible. Yeah, he can't, he's an all-American, but not the real one. Like, what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> but it, but his first name is Jeremiah. Yeah, 
he's outstanding. Um, and if anyone can put a team on his back and carry him like Kemba Walker style, um, I wouldn't put it past him. Realistically, I, I think the if you can get past Houston, I think you can win this tournament pretty much. Yeah, it's that that second round matchup with UCF Memphis, and we're obviously thinking Memphis is going to take care of Tulane, no problem. Um, but that second matchup against UCF is going to be really interesting to see if Taco Fall can have an impact um, in the game, unlike he did when Memphis beat him. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, especially playing at home for Memphis um, and really playing for their season, basically. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Memphis at least made it to the Houston game, if not get to the championship game. Yeah, so that will be another fun one to watch, but um, I would have that as a four-bid league, uh, barring a a Memphis or another outside team winning that tournament, getting it to possibly a five-bid league, but I think four is definitely the cap for them. Um, asking Memphis to win that many games in a row might be tough. Uh, so our next one is going to be the ACC, uh, another pretty interesting one. Um, we just recently, this is 2.40 East Coast time, so we just watched NC State knock off Clemson in a pathetically poor performance by both teams uh, that were both playing for their playoff lives pretty much. I think that loss knocks Clemson out. I would say that win should knock NC State out, too, because that was even worse. But uh, NC State is going to run into Virginia tomorrow, so they're, that's going to be over pretty quick. Um, then the top four seeds are Virginia, Carolina, Duke, Florida State. Virginia Tech's just off the top four line and as a five seed. Then you still have Syracuse and Louisville. Um and then probably going to just have one of Clemson and NC State. So that will be eight teams that should make the tournament from the ACC. Um, maybe only seven if NC State doesn't end up making it. But this conference, you're going to see, at least I hope you're going to see, a, a rematch between Duke and Carolina Part 3. Uh, Duke will have to get through Syracuse first. But uh, with a healthy Zion, I don't know if anyone saw the videos of him after the North Carolina game at Carolina, but he walked off the court pretty pretty angry and was sure to let people know he's going to see him next week. Um, and then that would also, if Duke gets through that game, would set up a rematch with Virginia, most likely part three for that game. So Duke could theoretically have part three with Syracuse, part three with Carolina, and part three with Virginia, um, all of which went different ways in the season, split against Syracuse, lost both against Carolina, and swept Virginia. Uh, but Assuming a healthy Zion, I'm going to pick Duke. I think they're shockingly right, but I think they're just in a in their own zone right now because I think they're pretty upset with the last six games without Zion. And uh, getting him back, hopefully tomorrow night against Syracuse, should, should flip the switch for him again, I think. And seeing their name on the two line for the first time all year, I think, is not what they wanted. Yeah, Duke's definitely going to have a lot of motivation. Um, but for me... I think the third game against Virginia, Tony Bennett is going to figure it out. Um, And I think Virginia has a lot of pride right now. Um, Flashing back to a year year ago when they lost the NBC, I think they're really all business right now. I'm going to try to run through the ACC tournament uh, and ultimately run through the um, tournament at the end of the year. 
So I think Virginia beats Duke in the final game, um, but it's going to be a very competitive quarterfinal, semifinals, and championship for for this tournament. Um, but I really hope um, NC State doesn't make it, and at least seven um, seven teams from the ACC makes it, just because I think there's more entertaining teams out there um, that should be given a shot in the tournament. Yeah, this is the same team that scored 24 points in a game against Virginia Tech earlier in the year, in case you're wondering. Um, but I also selfishly picked Duke, not only because I'm a fan, but because I want to watch him in D.C. <laughs> so that's part of the reason. I should probably pick again. I should probably pick Syracuse or something so I can jinx it. But So if Duke wins the ACC championship, they beat Virginia, and let's say... Um, Tennessee wins the SEC. Where does Duke land? Um, I think if Duke wins the ACC, that would knock out Carolina as a one seed. So I think your one seeds in that situation would be actually because Gonzaga just lost. Yeah. So are you saying Tennessee? Well, Tennessee would have to beat Kentucky in the semifinals because that's that right. matchup. Uh, wow, that would be really difficult. I would definitely have Duke, Virginia, and Tennessee as one seeds. And then your other option, uh, who wins the Big Ten in that situation? Let's say to make it more difficult, Michigan. I would put, wow, that's really hard. (laughs) I think I would put Gonzaga, which I hate. But if, if North Carolina kept it close with Duke, I guess I would go Carolina. But if... Duke blew out Carolina and like kind of showed like hey, if Zion played in these games, this they wouldn't have gone two and zero. I don't think they would get it because they have I think like six or seven losses. Um, Duke those two, but I think you're literally your only solidified teams are Virginia basically at this point, and then the winner of the SEC, um, and then Duke, Carolina, Gonzaga, and I think Michigan State if they win the Big Ten has a legit shot because they have the most quadrant one wins of any team in the country. Um, and they're doing it without even a fully healthy roster. So that's a team I think could make noise as a possible one seed. But, uh, yeah, in that situation, I guess I would go Duke, Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia, which would give ACC three ones. Yeah, it's going to be interesting no matter what. And <laughs> it'll be really interesting if someone from a four seed or below in the ACC wins the tournament. Yeah, I I think it's going to be hard for the committee to give him one conference three one so i think like just if that was the case i think they would go gonzaga because i don't think it looks very good if you give one conference three one seeds and that conference only has seven teams in the tournament yeah that would would be and especially since the the next next seeds that would be in the tournament and the next four would be sort of all over the place in ranking um but yeah, sorry about that distraction there. <laughs> that, was a, that was harder than my exams this week to figure that one out. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going America East only because I want to talk about Vermont a little bit. Um, Vermont is playing UMBC on Saturday afternoon, I think, in their conference championship game. Rematch of last year when Jarius Lyles hit the game winner against Vermont, and then you know the story after that where he led UMBC to beat uh, UVA in the first round. Um, I love this Vermont team. They have a kid from Michael's alma mater in high school there. Um, but 
their best player is Anthony Lamb, and he's a guy that there was rumors he was going to transfer at the end of this last season. He had a foot injury and kind of was down on everything with Vermont and a little upset with the situation, but uh, has really locked in 110% and is just an absolute freak. Uh, he could be a starter on probably 99% of the com- the power conference teams in the country um, and, and hold his own completely. Uh, I think Vermont wins in a big way over UMBC um, and just <laughs> makes up for last year and that heartbreaking loss. And I think Vermont is a legit 13 seed. Uh, I don't think they can get to 12, but 13, 14. They're a scary probably. 13 seed. Yeah, that I would. I, I'm almost telling you with certainty, unless they someone that I love is a four seed, I think Vermont wins their first game. Hopefully it's Nevada. <laughs> I think I have Nevada a lot lower, but we'll get to that in a little while. Yeah, um, yeah no, Vermont uh, is, is I think, just runs away with this. They beat Binghamton by 33 uh, in the semifinal game. I, I don't think UMBC really has a shot, um, but it would be interesting to see UMBC get in, be another 16 seed, and would love to see if the committee would put the put them on Virginia's line. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, they, they wouldn't do that. But I think Virginia would win that game a hundred to zero. I would put every single cent I have <laughs> in everything to pick Virginia to win that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean Vermont. Vermont really kind of dominated this conference this year, um, and I don't see them letting up now. But yeah, they're they're a team to really look out for in the NCAA tournament. Um, also, interestingly, their only two conference losses are to UMBC um, by like a decent margin both times. They lost by nine on the road and thirteen at home. Um, I promise you, Vermont's gonna win this game. Yeah, they're pretty confident in it, but um, we shall see with that one. And one of them, they didn't have Anthony Lamb. So, um, anyways, that's. America East. So next one we're going to go to Big 12. Um, another interesting one because Kansas doesn't win their conference for the first time So and pretty much feels like my life. Um, so they're, they've really spluttered down the stretch. Uh, they're, they're the three seed. You have Kansas State as the one, Texas Tech is the two, then Kansas, uh, Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas. Literally every single team outside of Kansas State and Texas Tech, specifically Texas Tech, has just gone completely in reverse in the Big 12. There's not – Iowa State stinks. Baylor's struggling. Texas is struggling. Kansas is really struggling, especially not on their home court. Uh, Kansas State is, like, in neutral, and Texas Tech just has pedaled to the metal, and they're running through everybody, um, which is why I'm obviously picking Texas Tech to win this conference. Um, I, I – I'm really ready to lock in Texas Tech as my true title contender and legit Final Four team. I think. Yeah, Texas Tech. It's it's hard. To, I try to differ a little bit from you, but um, this conference seems to be settled, and it's it's usually in Kansas's favor. But right now, the way Texas Tech is playing, um, and be on the lookout. I'm working on a little. Um, video breakdown of why Texas Tech has sort of turned up their offense. And a little spoiler for it is how much they've been spreading the floor. 
um, compared to how compact they were playing their offense um, earlier in the season. But, yeah, I mean, they have a pretty easy match road to winning. Um, they take on the winner of Oklahoma, West Virginia, which um, neither team's very good. West Virginia, I think, had like 28 starting lineups. Um, That's what happens when you kick people off the team and you stink to begin with. Yeah. Um, I actually heard someone recently talk about how West Virginia is a really good college team this year, and I couldn't tell if they were being sarcastic or not. <laughs> um, but they were verified as a college basketball analyst, so I was kind of worried. Um, but uh, Oklahoma, I think, handles that. Christian James. Um, and they need that one. Yeah, I, I think they need to win that. But once they run into Texas Tech, I think that'll be no problem. And then, um, honestly, I think Texas beats Kansas again um, this season. Uh, I just think Kansas right now, they're, what their like best bench pieces were in earlier in the season are all starting now um, and really don't have much come off the bench. So they're... They're struggling with trying to find rotations now with Gerald Vick being gone for the season. Um, obviously, as a bookie gone. Uh, so I, I just think Texas Texas beats them there, and then Texas Tech will have no problem against Texas. And Kansas State, even though they're the one seed, um, it's going to be a really good championship game. I'll just say that. Sounds like Dean Wade's out for at least a little while for the Big 12 tournament. Uh Bruce Weber pretty much said he doesn't expect them to play in the Big 12 tournament. Kind of same thing happened last year. I think they're it's mostly precautionary. They have their spot locked up in the in March, so um, I think that even just makes Texas Tech a stronger favorite. Uh, but like always, if Iowa State just decides they want to be good again, they can win this tournament too. Uh, Kansas is literally the worst team in the world outside the state of Kansas, and unfortunately this game is played in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. So I think they're going to have a really hard time against Texas, too. And Curran Roach is back, I believe, that game. Yeah, yeah, Curran Roach is back. Um, but just a geography fact, Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri are right next to each other. They're not very Yeah, small. but it's a different state. Yeah, but they're on the border. Like, so where Kansas plays is, like, say, 30 minutes away, um, if you drive quick. But, but still, I, I mean... I'm just saying, anytime Kansas crosses a state line from the actual state of Kansas, they lose. Oh, yeah. No, the state of Missouri is very anti-Kansas. Um, at least in, in the city of Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think Texas Tech has is head and shoulders above everyone right now. Um, who do we got next? Or do you want to keep just talking nonsense about the Big 12? <laughs> Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. All right, so we're going to get into... <laughs> <laughs> this is my version of the alphabet. All right, we're going with the Big East. I'll make my own alphabet if I have to. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties there um, because I'm currently sitting 
at home watching a blizzard outside, so um, having a little connection problems, but um, despite Zach's inability to understand the alphabet, we're going to go to the Big <laughs> East. Numbers, when you add numbers with letters, it makes it hard. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, all right, you go first with this one. <laughs> Uh, the Big East is nothing to be too excited about. Um, we've talked about how bad Villanova's been lately. Um, Marquette sort of following suit, going backwards. Um, Seton Hall somehow found their way to a three seed in the <laughs> Big East tournament. <laughs> um, with Xavier also not playing great. Um, and then Creighton really, one of the teams that's playing pretty decent lately. Um, and with um, obviously Georgetown being the best of them all, um, <laughs> but St. John's, Providence, Butler, DePaul, um, those are the last four seeds. Um, sort of a, they're all playing different right now. Um, but really, any team can win this. I wouldn't be shocked if DePaul won, and they're the ten seed. Um, so for my pick. Um, I actually ended up going with, no, I forget. Uh, Georgetown. Oh, right, yeah. So I actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was between, so for me, the Marquette-Georgetown game, I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Georgetown has to get past Seton Hall first, but um, I think Georgetown has that talent to do that. Um, and a lot of this is just a homer pick. I don't actually think they're going to win, but (laughs) (laughs) um, if I had to pick a real winner, um, I would say Marquette, just because Marcus Howard is going to sort of step up his game. I've told you, and I think I said it on here before a few times, but Georgetown seriously has been in every single game in conference and like probably should have won at least half of the games they lost. Um, I really don't think, even if it is a homer pick, I really don't think it's that far-fetched because realistically they could easily be the two or the three seed in this conference um i think so st john's being a seven seed is absolutely ridiculous because they should be in the tournament and now they've basically played themselves back right on to the bubble maybe out of the the conference out of the tournament even um i think they're gonna win that first game against DePaul just because they flat out have to like there's no way they can't uh they there's no way they can they can like take a loss in that game. So I think they're going to be super focused in that. Um, and then that matches them up with Marquette in the next round. And they've done a great job against Marquette of just really controlling Marcus Howard. Um, so that game becomes really interesting if it happens. Uh, I have a rule in the Big East when nothing makes sense. I just pick Villanova because I just trust them more. And I literally, like you said, could see all 10 teams winning this conference which means I don't understand it, so I'm going with Villanova. <laughs> I think Villanova stinks right now. I don't like anything about their team, but when stuff happens in this conference, I go with Villanova. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to pick Villanova. There's no stats to back it up. There's no nothing. Die they test. got Jay Wright as their coach, and I think I just think Villanova's better overall as as a university. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's going to be interesting because I think they'll play Providence their first game. And Providence is a weird team. Um, they have a ton of talent. They have a ton of length and size. Um, and the, I think they're all seniors. 
um, if not all seniors and juniors. Um, so that I could see Villanova losing to Providence. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it is confusing, and obviously Villanova winning wouldn't be shocking. But I don't know. This is. I guess it's going to be fun in the sense that everyone can win, so it's going to be very competitive. Um, but a lot of these games won't be the the greatest basketball played. And it's at the Garden, which makes everything better. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, that's good luck figuring that one out. You, there's a thing on. Uh, I think FanDuel or DraftKings is doing something. You can pick like six conference brackets, fill them out, and you can win like ten thousand dollars or something. If you choose to do that, do not choose the Big East, please. <laughs> yeah, stay away. <laughs> um, so next in Zach's alphabet is the Big Ten. Uh, another another wild conference. Um, top four seeds are Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin. Then you have other tournament teams like Maryland, Iowa, who's going backwards, Minnesota, uh, Iowa State, Indiana is a playing game uh, tomorrow at 1230. If you want to watch that one, the loser's probably out. The winner's got a decent chance to make it. Um, Penn State has climbed up to the 10 seed in this conference. And in shocking fashion, Northwestern and Nebraska are the two worst teams. And I would have bet my life I would have never said that at the beginning of the season. Um Another conference, I think I think the top four seeds, well, if Penn State keeps this run up, who knows, but I think the top four seeds are the, the ones to consider in this tournament. Um, I don't like Maryland's chances. I don't like Iowa is playing just absolutely horrible right now. Uh, Minnesota, I don't think, has enough. And then Ohio State and Indiana are about as volatile as it gets. Um, so I think... Michigan State and Wisconsin are going to really beat up on each other uh, in their semifinals game. And I think it's going to open the door for – I think Michigan State survives it, but I think it's going to open the door for a rematch between Michigan State and Michigan again. And I don't think Michigan State's going to get them three times this year. I think Michigan's going to sneak it out. Because Michigan, in both the games against Michigan State, Michigan has controlled like 75% of the game and then gotten blown off the court in the last like eight minutes of the game. So – um I think Michigan hangs on for this one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I also had Michigan winning this one. Um, it's going to be a game, like you said, that just throughout the comp- throughout the tournament, teams are just going to beat up on each other. Um, and because Michigan and Michigan State, they have that double bye, it's going to really help them. Um, and I don't think I don't think Purdue, Purdue although although they're playing pretty well. Um, can beat both Michigan and either Michigan State or Wisconsin um, in really back-to-back games. So it really comes down to the winner of Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, But like I said, I've had Michigan winning that game. Yeah, and Purdue, I think Purdue and Michigan State ended up with a share uh, of the conference, but Purdue lost at Minnesota and basically gave Michigan State the share of the conference. Um, they're in their second to last game, so I don't, I'm not crazy about that for their chances. But yeah, that's another another weird one. But probably going to have seven teams in the tournament, possibly eight. Also, just like the ACC. So hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to talk about boring basketball, we can talk about the Big Ten for much longer. But um, so our next one is going to be Conference USA. Uh, probably surprised that we're going to talk about that, but. Um, 
there's two teams here, Old Dominion and Western Kentucky, in my opinion. Uh, this conference hasn't actually started play yet. I think, there's, there's yeah, they tip off tonight. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's to me, it's between Old Dominion and Western Kentucky. I talked about Western Kentucky at least a couple times, I think, on here before. Um, Old Dominion knocked off Syracuse to start the year at Syracuse, and they've been competitive in, in some pretty uh, pretty decent games. Um, they have plenty of ability, but I really like Western Kentucky. Uh, I've talked about ba- Charles Bassey a few times, I know as well, in our NBA podcast for sure. Um, he just won. Uh, he's on the all-rookie team, won rookie of the year, and also all-defensive team um, and defensive player of the year, I think, even. Uh, absolute stud just does everything right um i think i think old dominion is going to play western kentucky in the final uh they beat western kentucky twice this year by four points and by three points um and i think they're plenty good enough to beat them again but i'm going with old dominion in this game or sorry western kentucky in this game <laughs> <You> think <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> no definitely definitely not old dominion i really like western kentucky i just think they do it all. Uh, Rick Stansbury, I think, is a great coach. They've been in the tournament plenty of times in recent history. Uh, and Charles Bassey is just an absolute stud. So, yeah, I'm going Western Kentucky. Yep, and I'm picking Charles Bassey. So, that's that. <laughs> um, he's, yeah, he's, he's special. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good um, NBA player as well. But I think just his dominance and just the fact that West Kentucky wants to get back at Old Dominion um, and beat them in the conference tournament after losing twice in the regular season. Uh, I see West Kentucky um, winning this one in a very, very close game, maybe even a, a buzzer-beater type game. Um, All right, so next we have the MAC, the one with 1A, not 2As, uh, the Mid-American Conference. This is Buffalo's. Probably should have just said Buffalo's conference. Um, it's played in Ohio, uh, which is tough, I think, for Buffalo because they have, the first game is against Akron, who obviously from Ohio, uh, and then they also have a potential matchup if they if every, all the higher seeds win, they would have a matchup with Toledo uh, again from Ohio in the final and or Bowling Green even, um, but I think Toledo would get there. Uh, so I actually picked an upset in this. I don't think Buffalo's going to get it done. I'm going with Toledo. Um, I honestly think Buffalo might lose to Akron tomorrow. Um, I think Buffalo obviously knows they're in the tournament. I don't think they're as locked in as these other teams that, like Akron every single year is semifinals or championship of this conference and always close to winning it. Um, Kent State, same type of way. Uh, Toledo is always competitive. So I think there's going to be a different level of play between these other teams that catches Buffalo off guard. Buffalo's played, and if you've been following them at all recently, they've played in a lot of close games and been down at halftime a couple, couple too many times for my liking. Um, so in in Ohio, in a game, in multiple games against Ohio-type teams, um, it could be difficult for them to win this tournament. So I'm going with Toledo. Okay. Well, just an, another – Geography fact here, um, just follow them today. <laughs> Buffalo is only like 30, 45 minutes away from Cleveland, um, depending on the snow. Um, <laughs> but um, it is going to be tough playing in Cleveland. 
but I think they bring enough fans, um, they have enough experience, and they have C.J. Massenberger, so um, <laughs> I am picking Buffalo to win this. Um, I think they're going to be in a ton of close games. The Akron game is going to be way too close for comfort. Uh, I think they handle... Where is Kent State? Do you know? The I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's in Ohio. Yeah, I believe it's in Ohio as well. So I think Kent State will end up playing Central Michigan and beat them. So um, that'll be another close game with Buffalo, but I just think Buffalo just sneaks these ones out. They sort of take it serious in the second half and pull away. Kent State year. is in Kent, Ohio. Yeah, which I don't know where that is. Somewhere in Middle America, as John Rothstein says. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm picking Buffalo, but wouldn't like Toledo beating them um, wouldn't be the worst thing for Buffalo to sort of get them on the right track because they can sometimes play a little too too loose um, at times, and that's where they find themselves down in the first half against a team they should be blown out. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's the Mid American. What else we got? We got a C conference coming up. What letter are we on? Haha. <laughs> Funny. We're in the Mountain West. Oh, gross. That checks out. Those letters follow each other. Um, this is Michael's favorite team in Nevada and his favorite conference. Uh, play in Las Vegas. Uh, why, I don't know. It's at UNLV's court. Again, a five seed playing the whole tournament on their home court. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this conference, San Diego State, I think, is always an interesting team. Um, Jalen McDaniels is solid. I almost call it. I think it's Jalen. Jalen's the one that's coming next year. Yeah, Jalen's next year. Jalen's this year. Um, I think they're always tough, but I think Nevada, after the debacle at Utah State and the, I don't even know what you want to call it, the ruckus in the hallway and all that, um, yeah. I think they're going to just be a different team. I think they're going to be locked in to win this tournament. I think they really want to see Utah State in the final. Um, so I'm picking Nevada in this one. Yeah, it's not that I don't like Nevada. It's just I think people overvalue them um, because they have names that you can recognize. Um, as a, at least I think as an average college fan of the Martin Twins and Jared or Jordan Caroline. Um, but yeah, I think they win this conference. They're they're a team that really takes things personal, um, especially Jordan Caroline. Um, after seeing what happened in Utah State, uh, I think he's going to win the conference of the year, uh, or this tournament, player of the, player of the tournament. Yeah, he's going to win the whole conference just by himself? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pretty much did already. <laughs> but he's going to be a man on the mission, and um, hopefully Colorado State plays Nevada, because I like watching them play. Um, but I think Nevada really runs through. Um, and San Diego State playing UNLV at UNLV is going to be tough, basically. <laughs> um, I know it's not in their gym, but um, playing a home game. And then Utah State will get to the finals, and Nevada will want that revenge. So, yeah, I think Nevada wins this one. Uh, so next we have the Pac-12 in the oh, worst bro. conference in the world. Yeah, sorry, we really front-loaded this, I guess, huh? <laughs> Damn alphabet. Your alphabet. Um, 
Uh, I have no idea with this one. I'm going to be honest. I just picked Arizona State, um, mostly because I like their path better than other teams. But Washington scared me recently. I Their offense is not – I don't think it's there. Um, and that defense is pretty good, but it's susceptible. Um, I, I truly could see anything happening in this conference outside of Cal or Washington State, really. Um, yeah, I think – yeah, they're, even though Cal beat Washington on their home court. So um, I think I think the winner of the Arizona State-Utah game is going to win, to be honest. Um, but I just think Arizona State is the type of team, whenever you think they're not quite going to do it, they just end up running off a few games and knocking off good teams. Um, and I think being on the bubble, they're going to do that. Or they could do what they did last year and just lose the first game and cause problems for everyone. So um, I'm going to say that they learned from last year and are going to play a lot better, and I think they're going to win this. But like I said, I would not bet a single dollar on any team to win this conference. Yeah, the the level of confidence in this um, is very low. Um, But I know Washington hasn't been great as of late, but honestly I think that's – because they play to their who they're playing, they play to that level, um, and, and you see that with when they played against Cal, they really dropped their level, uh, and they kind of not necessarily got bored with the conference, but the conference isn't great this year, so that the games weren't as competitive as they normally are. I think once this tournament comes around and teams really pick everything up, um, they're gonna end up winning this tournament. They have too much talent on their team. Um, I think Thibault is um, a legit starter in the NBA and someone that he's going to help lead them as long as his shot um, sort of turns around from where it's been the last few games. My only wish is that Arizona State or Washington wins this because I refuse to watch three Pac-12 teams play in, in March. <laughs> There's, I can't have three of these teams make the tournament. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's just going to be Washington Arizona State in the tournament, and hopefully that's it. Because I mean, those are the most entertaining teams of the, they got NBA talent on it, and they got guys that play really, really hard. Uh, Realistically, if Arizona State loses the first game, they're done. So, <laughs> we can only see one if if it's just Washington if they win the whole thing or two and have it not be Arizona State if like I don't know UCLA knocks them off or something um but yeah it's interesting to talk about the Pac-12 and have UCLA and and Arizona playing playing games instead of the normal buys that they get um but that just shows you where that conference is right now seriously so the last one we have is probably the most entertaining one I would say uh in the SEC we have LSU won the overall number one, and then basically the same day that happened, they lost their coach and Javante Smart for an indefinite amount of time based on suspensions and just holding out Javante Smart uh, for those FBI investigations. Then we have Kentucky at two, Tennessee at three, South Carolina at a very surprising four, I would say. Shocking. What a, jo- what a job done by Frank Martin. Um, and then we have uh, Auburn at five. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Florida, Arkansas, Alabama, 
and then who cares? Um, <laughs> Alabama at 10 is fighting for their lives in March. Uh, Arkansas probably not going to make it. Florida fighting for their lives. So Florida needs to beat Arkansas tomorrow, uh, I think, to make the tournament. They win that game, then I think they're in. Um, but this is going to be, I think, a lot of fun, especially if we get a Kentucky-Tennessee trilogy um, in the semifinals, which would be March 16th, which I think is Saturday. Saturday, right? yep. Uh, so that would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then hopefully LSU can put the pass behind them kind of and, and keep winning and playing the way they are. Um, I think if you've anyone listened to Tremont Waters after his press conference of their last game, I think I think this team is – is almost immune to what happened. They seem entirely locked in, just just ready to win games and use their talent. Um, but with that being said, if if Reed Travis is healthy, which I'm expecting him to play in these games, I'm going with Kentucky. Um, this is when Kentucky is at their best, I think. They've hit a little rough patch um, without Reed and kind of everyone's out on them. Their odds to win the championship just keep climbing. Uh, nobody's really thinking they're – they have as much of a chance anymore. Tennessee's looking good again. LSU looks great. Um, I think this is when Calipari's at his best and gets them rocking. So uh, with Reed Travis, I'm going Kentucky. Without Reed Travis, I think Tennessee wins it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the winner, the, the Kentucky-Tennessee game, assuming they play, um, which I, funny enough, didn't pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Florida makes a little bit of a run here to prove that they should be in the tournament. I think they have the talent of a team in the tournament. Um, they haven't played like it all year, but have been pretty good as of late. Um, so I think despite what Trey Mountwater says, um, I think it's a, it's really difficult to play without without your coach and without one of their, their best freshmen on the team. Um, so I think Florida beats LSU. Um, and I see them playing Auburn in the semis, and I think Auburn's turned it around and will get to the championship game, but um, I see Tennessee playing Ole Miss and ultimately Tennessee winning the, winning the championship. Um, so <laughs> there's one other thing I want to talk about, but I just accidentally clicked on the whack, and I just looked at the teams – just hear me out here. So New Mexico State's going to win this conference. They're by far the best, like 27-4 or something this year. Um, we'll talk about them when we get to the tournament, when they make it. But um, they'll have a chance like every year to knock off a good team. But the teams in this conference are from the state of New Mexico, Illinois, well, Chicago, so Illinois, uh, Texas, California, Utah, Missouri, Arizona, and Washington. There's there's not one team from the same state. And they're from all over the map. Like, who made that conference? <laughs> well, Grand Canyon's new to D1. Um, I think it's just been a lot of shuffling around in different <laughs> so, things, but They should shuffle. New Mexico State wins it by a landslide every year, so they should shuffle something else. I don't know. I think Grand Canyon's an interesting team. Um, I love Grand Canyon, but they don't get to play on their home court in these, so that's the only reason to yeah, stay that's away. True. <laughs> All right, so I bet you can guess which the other thing is I want to talk about. Um, my, my main man, Killian Tilly. Oh, I was going to say the New York Giants, but. Sorry. Oh, come on. This is, a, this is basketball. Is it not, I'm still not okay about that. 
Anyways, <laughs> I guess we can talk about Killian Tilly to make myself feel better. So, uh, Killian Tilly played for Gonzaga. I'm not putting this on Killian Tilly that they lost to St. Mary's, but you know how I feel about people thinking he's so good. And the fact that St. Mary's just absolutely dogged Gonzaga last night is mind-blowing to me. Um, they controlled every aspect of that game. It, Gonzaga scored 47 points, the number one most efficient offense in college basketball. Um, so that's what a performance that is by St. Mary's, and that really scares me about Gonzaga. Uh, well, it, funny enough, like when I was watching the game last night, um, and St. Mary's really dominated the, really the whole time, um, I was thinking to myself, I feel more confident in Gonzaga through the, through the NCAA tournament. Um, especially um, after what Josh Perkins, after his interview, um, how focused he looked, how unfazed he was by that loss, and just how this is getting them right on track. Um, so I, I kind of felt the opposite, I think. Um, Gonzaga really can win it all this year, um, and that really sort of kicked them into gear um, because this conference is so bad. Um, I think they took it lightly. Uh, so I think now that they've lost and have that bad t- taste in their mouth, they're, they're ready to, to run through the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I still think they're one of the best teams in the country, but just the – they just look – like it looks like they switched roles. They look like St. Mary's and just anxious, and they're throwing the ball all over, all over the place. They were not taking good shots. They weren't getting stops. They weren't controlling any aspect of the game. It just was weird. I've never seen Gonzaga be taken out of their element like that before. Yeah, no, it, it was weird, um, and I know um, when you're sort of playing the game that you, you expect to win and you start slow, um, even though in the sort of the first half of the first half, it, it was 15-13, um, St. Mary's was winning. When it's close like that and you're expected to win, especially by a huge margin, it's really hard to fight through that wall and like get back. Um, to playing hard sort of mid-game. So I think just starting slow really really hurt them. Um, and I think um, because of that slow start, they really didn't have a chance to come back, but I think they'll be perfectly fine. Um, I, I think it's more of what St. Mary's did to Gonzaga than just Gonzaga not playing well, really. I, think like, I don't think Gonzaga just didn't show up. I think St. Mary's just flat out took them out of what they wanted. Um, and I mean, we're talking about a game, the first time they played, I can't remember the, it was like 94 to 46 or something. They lost by almost 50. Um, and now we're talking about them winning their conference tournament by 13 against Gonzaga, holding Gonzaga to 47, literally cutting their point total in half. Um, that's, I think that's remarkable. I hate that they're in the tournament because I don't think they should be, but to have that performance against Gonzaga, they earned their spot 110 times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did play really hard. Um, they had three guys play the entire game. Uh, and then I think once they play that first game, they, they can't do that um, with how hard you're going to be playing, especially coming off of that. So I think St. Mary's is just, I mean, this is great for their season, uh, but I don't see them winning a game in the tournament. So, interestingly, shout-out to you for saying San Diego because they made it all the way to the semifinals as a seventh seed. 
You're welcome for that one. Um, but I, the last quick thing I want to talk about with Gonzaga and is just their conference. Um, I've heard a couple people over the last few days talk about this. It comes up every time during conference tournament time, um, and it's the structure of conference tournaments and how for mid-majors specifically. So Gonzaga, the top two seeds in the West Coast Conference, which I can't tell you last time was in Gonzaga and St. Mary's, um, the they get automatic buys all the way to the semifinals. So they only have to win two games to win their conference championship. Um, it's different for Gonzaga because they're going to make it pretty much every year um, because they do run through their conference. And if they don't win their conference tournament like this year, we're still talking about them as a possible one seed. Um, but for St. Mary's, for example, if St. Mary's had to play three, four games to get to the championship, any one of those losses, they're done. They're not making the tournament. Um, so I think the West Coast Conference does it well where they kind of help those teams out to get to the, to the tournament. Because you look at a team like South Dakota State, they lost their first game in their conference tournament to an eight seed, and they were by far the best team in their conference. And, like, everyone wanted to see them in March, but they lost their very first game. So if you give them a bye to the semifinals, they'll have to win two games instead of four games, and maybe they're going to make the tournament. Um, so I've heard a lot of people talk about they need – mid-major conferences need to give um, more buys and, like, an easier road to their better teams. Uh, and then with that, if you have a good team, like if you look at Wofford – Say they get a bye to the semifinals, they lose in the finals. Now your league is a two-bid league instead of just the normal one-bid league. Um, so I think a lot, of, a lot of mid-major conferences should look at a similar structure. And just to argue that, um, you look at the the MAC conference where um, Iona won this year. Uh, the parity in that conference and how the difference between Iona and Siena, the one and five seed, was very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you give Iona that bye to the semifinals with having the same record as a, a three seed or a four seed, um, kind of makes it challenging when seeding the conference, um, knowing that you're basically giving someone an easier road, um, despite having similar records. Yeah. I mean, my argument against that would be the. In the West Coast Conference, the eight seed and the seven seed both made it to the semifinals, and they played the first day. So, I think like ultimately the the better better teams are going to rise. The teams playing the best are going to rise to the top. Um, but I feel like I don't know. I, I just hate not being able to see South Dakota State in the tournament. Basically, That's yeah. No, no. I I certainly agree. I just wanted to bring that point up. But yeah, there's there's always going to be arguments on both sides of it. But yeah, they they need to do a better job of getting the best teams in the tournament. Um, and I, like, I think if you win your conference, not just the conference tournament, but the regular season one, I think that's enough to get you into a tournament. Because that, that is much harder than, I think, winning a tournament because it's just about getting hot at the right time or right. Um, someone having an off-shooting day. Uh, but winning over an entire regular season is much more challenging because this is over three months um, you constantly have to have that high level of play so I I would rather the conference winner gets an automatic bid and whoever wins the tournament also gets an automatic bid yeah and I mean that's why if you get first place if you win your regular season um, you are automatically in the NIT so kind of weird that they the second conference or the second tournament basically takes those those teams but um, at least they know they're going to postseason uh, so what else you got? Anything? 
do we want to talk about Will Wade and LSU and all that? <clears throat> sure, why not? So we want to get a breakdown of what happened. Uh, so uh, hopefully you've at least seen something of the FBI scandals over the last, what, like year and a half now with uh, the big names have been mostly Arizona. Sean Miller has been like the most popular one. Uh, blanking on the other people. Oklahoma State, Kansas a little bit. but they Wasn't Auburn in there? In there? Uh, I, I can't remember. Maybe initially. I just know that the coaches that got fired from uh, staffs were from Arizona, Oklahoma State, and there's another one. Oh, Kansas, I think, too. <laughs> um, but anyways... The, it's overpaying recruits to come to schools. Uh, most of it is with the Adidas agent or quote-unquote agent. Um, and LSU is the latest to fall into that trap. Um, there's There was a wiretap by the FBI of Christian Dawkins, who's the Adidas agent, um, talking to Will Wade. Will Wade basically saying he made a great cash offer to a recruit and it was turned down. Um, and he, he was talking about how he was upset because it was a two- to three-year guy. Um, and then there's also more evidence with Javante Smart, um, the same same type of deal, which is why Smart's been held out of competition because they don't want to have losses or wins uh, taken away from him. Um, but so Will Wade's been suspended indefinitely. Um, most people are saying they'd be shocked if he's back on the court at any point with LSU. Um, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, because I think pretty much any time this stuff comes into the public light, it's it's almost over for you, um, as you saw with Rick Pitino. Uh, so, I'm a, at least personally, I think college athletes should be compensated for what they do. They amount of money they make for institutions and generate revenue for sports programs and everything. Um, and I know you can, and everyone can make the argument you get a scholarship, and that's fantastic. That's great, but. There's other students that can get scholarships, too, and go to school fully paid um, and not generate that revenue for their school. But when you have kids making their schools $20, 30000000 million in a season, like I think Maryland just profited $23 million this past year. We suck in everything. <laughs> and we made $23 million. Um, that's remarkable, and that's all based on the student-athletes. Um, that has nothing to do with Maryland as an institution. So I think those – I, I, it gets tough because you can't pay athletes. Like, obviously, you can't pay them all even amounts. Like, the women's lacrosse team might get something different from the men's basketball team, and that's not exactly fair. And Title IX, I don't even think, would let that really happen. Um, but I at least think the lowest point would be the athletes should be able to profit off their likeness um, so and their name and everything. So go sign autographs and make money. Go sell jerseys with your name on the back and let them get money from that, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and as far as paying recruits, I think the only reason that is a problem is because athletes can't make their own money in college. Um, I think college basketball is a really good brand, and I think it has opportunity to stay as a good brand. But at some point, you're going to see more kids try to earn money for themselves, um, especially when college is only a one-year stop. If there's another developmental-type program, like if the G League can increase salaries even a little and uh, take – high school students that way or something um i think college has an opportunity to get sincerely hurt by just hoarding all of the profits basically 
Yeah, no, it's it's got to change. College need they need to play the players. Um, playing a sport in college is a job. Uh, if you think that someone a hard can, job, right? If you think someone can go to college, work a side job, and play their sport, you're crazy. College, especially basketball. And they don't even let them really work a side job. Like, I think you're only allowed to make a certain amount anyways. Yeah, I mean, I know when I was in college, I had a work study um, that paid minimum wage. And it was something I could only work, like, a few hours a week just simply due to the schedule. Um, because you have morning workouts, you have practice that lasts three to four hours. Um, you have treat- Class. <laughs> you have treatment, and then you have class yeah. with homework. Um and so not being able to be like another student that just has class and homework where they can work. Um, I had plenty of friends that worked full-time while going to school, um, and they're earning uh, a ton of money compared to a college athlete that maybe has a minimum wage job that's a few hours a week um, just simply because of schedule. So, yeah, you can talk all about all you want about this, the scholarships, um, but even the kids that don't don't earn um, scholarships and work full time throughout it, they're making a ton more and have the opportunity to make more. Whereas a college athlete doesn't have that opportunity, despite right. what they're doing is generating revenue. So um, it's just it's really poorly run. The NCA is so greedy, um, and it's going to take a lot to change it. But I think eventually um, it will change. For example, the I just saw today the um, the Pac-12 commissioner is staying in a hotel room in Las Vegas this week for the tournament. It's costing fifty-seven hundred dollars a day, and he has his own private butler. Yeah, that's just not necessary, and it's <laughs> just rubbing it in their in the student athlete's face. Like, yeah, I'm making this much money. You have nothing you can do about it. And you have you go back to like the Kemba Walker thing where he was or was it Shabazz? No, sorry, I think it was Shabazz. That he was hungry and like they couldn't get there wasn't enough meals like they couldn't pay for enough meals so he had to buy whatever himself but he didn't have the money on him at the time. Um, so you have the rule where now they're allowed like unlimited amount of food throughout the day, and like it, basically you just have them controlling every aspect of a student athlete's life and student athlete just continues to make an obscene amount of money for him um so you have by definition student athletes are employees but they're unpaid it's basically like an internship for an unbelievable job um but i think that's kind of beside the point because the real it's it's different with paying recruits because you're trying to get them to your school obviously um i think paying recruits would essentially disappear if you paid the athletes because there'd be really no reason to pay the recruits because they're going to be getting checks when they're on campus anyways. Um, I think it, it can be, it can create a little bit of a problem because you can have the best recruits kind of concentrated, but don't you already have that? Like for the most part, the best recruits are concentrated um, with your Dukes, Kentuckys, your blue blood schools. You'll get the occasional great player that stays home. Um, that, a lot of people would argue they're staying home because they're getting paid to stay home currently. Um, but so I think 
you either have this widespread quote unquote corruption that is being done by every single team where you should just get rid of the rule and like let them it's an open market let it act like an open market or you just this is a very isolated incident and i don't think it's isolated no it's certainly not isolated and it's going to go on for a long time unless they make some changes um but yeah i, I think that's a, that's its own podcast yeah we'll do that when the season's over yeah um but yeah anything else we want to cover for conference tournaments so we have selection Sundays. Uh, this Sunday, we'll have the first four playing games. Will be Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday kicks off the official first round or round of sixty-four that they call it now. Um, so, at least currently, the plan is to break down each individual region. Um, once the brackets get out, we'll post both our brackets, and uh, we'll post like our official consensus bracket, and then we'll post our own individual ones. Um, but yeah, we're planning on walking you through each region, uh, kind of not like a super in-depth breakdown of every single game, but like getting more detailed about like the bigger matchups and talking about things that could happen in the conference, what to look for. Um, and we have a good idea of like, we've, we've pretty much gone through a lot of teams, almost every team and looked at why they lost uh, certain games during the year and like tried to find trends of of what cost them games and stuff like that. Um, so we can compare the matchups when they come out. So that's what those podcasts will basically be like. Yeah. And we'll give you an idea of what to look for. Cause I know a lot of times when you go into to March and you're going through your bracket and you just see the name of a team, you see the record. Um, maybe you go on Yahoo or ESPN and get a little small paragraph, but um, don't really understand what teams do well. And, what players to look for. Um, we'll sort of give you an understanding of that. Um, so when a team like Vermont comes in um, and dominates a four seed or something, um, you sort of had an idea that was coming. Yeah, so probably sometime around Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we can we can get that one going. Yep. Um, and for um, the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, Zach and I will actually be together for that and be watching the games from D.C. Um, so we'll have a few podcasts there that we'll actually do in the same room. Um, yeah, no so, more technical difficulties there. Yeah, a much better audio quality. So <laughs> um, be ready for that as well. Okay, so good luck to your favorite teams in their conference tournament. If they're in the ACC, I hope they lose. If they're not Duke, and other than that, see you later. <laughs> see you later. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?